Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast. Tonight, it's the postseason for many clubs after the weekend, and we'll be taking a good hard look at three of the teams that did not make the finals. All that and more, coming right up. Again and good evening. It's another episode of the Big Footy Draftcast, and I am the Wookie. And joining with me tonight to discuss all things pertaining to the postseason, I have some of the finest experts we could find on the Big Footy Draft and Training Board. Good evening, pies for a uh, pie for life and modern artillery. Good yeah. mate. Thanks for having us. Good to be back again. Uh, looking forward to getting stuck into it. And you've had a good weekend. Your seasons are relatively over, I believe. Yeah, they definitely are over. So, over, uh, over. Yeah, there's, no, there's no coming back from here till next year. So, uh, yeah, not not a season to remember. Yeah, so. yet, yet another losing season for Blues supporters as well. Um, anyway, we, we're going to take a look at three teams tonight that uh, didn't make the finals. Uh, have a bit of a run through, a bit of a summary, and uh, see what you guys think about what their possibilities and potential is. Uh, so, we're going to start with North Melbourne, guys. They finished 18th. And as of uh, right now, we have had no uh, no reports of delistings or mass sackings or anything like that. Ha- no, nothing no. I've heard of. No? Yeah, no, pretty early on, I think. Um, so obviously, it only just finished on the weekend, so they haven't had any as of yet. They had a big clean-out last year, it's worth noting. So uh, I'd, I'd suggest it might be a little bit quieter. Obviously, they're going to have some changes, but yeah, I'd say it's probably going to be less wholesale than 12 months ago. So it'd be a disappointing end to uh, the season, especially finishing 18th, you'd imagine. There are uh, uh, a few uh, issues there that we've got. Um, should uh, North Melbourne be entertaining a trade for pick one? I mean, it comes down to what they're looking for. Like, for me, I, I quite like the offer of sort of, obviously, Jason Horn francis on uh, up for offer there, and they, they can play the uh, the villain of nominating the likes of Nick Dacos and Sean Darcy, obviously. But, uh, you know, it comes down to what they can get. Maybe another club is pretty desperate to, to get a Horn francis They know they can't otherwise. Perhaps they'll throw in an extra pick or an experienced player. If, if I'm north, I'm probably just keeping the pick. But, uh, yeah, for me, I think I would, um, unless there was a really, really almost – non-refusable offer, uh, I'd probably just keep it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, what do you think, modern artillery? Yeah, coming from a similar vein, I think. Personally, I probably probably wouldn't consider it unless we're getting a top five selection in this year and then and then a future first on top of that. I think the Crows are the obvious candidate trying to move up. And if they're willing to switch picks this year and then trade out their future first for next year, which will likely be a top five pick next year as well, that I think that'd be pretty difficult to turn down. Um, that'll North add a top-end talent for this year's draft, and then they'll have some pretty attractive assets to float around next year on the trade table for a, for a more specific need, maybe, um, having their own first and then another club's first too. So I wouldn't be moving out the pick either um, for anything less than a top five one and a, and a future first, I think. Well, what what do they need? What do North Melbourne need to uh, to fix their solutions like? Yeah, well, I think there were some positive signs this year. I look at the pieces that they've got, particularly through that midfield group with 
Jai Simkin, LDU, Taron Thomas had a really good year. Then they got brought in Tom Powell and Will Phillips out of last year's draft. Throw in Jaden Stevenson, who's sort of having a run through the midfielder patches. And there's a lot of good young talent in that midfield. The spine does have pieces, but I think probably needs a little bit more work. If if possible, North might be better placed addressing that through the trade or free agency, which is always easier said than done. But Mackay and Larky look like solid pieces at either end. And hopefully Jacob Edwards, who they got through the through the mid-season draft can be a piece as well but the rest are either aging or struggling to get on the park consistently so so more key position talent should be a priority this draft also might present some opportunities to shore up some of the talent on the flanks too so there may be scope to improve that area of the ground as well so who are they likely to uh like who, who would best fit their needs i mean you guys keep an eye on the draft uh and you know if you know i mean we all know neil erasmus is uh our favourite player here, Big Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus now. And, uh, I mean, uh, who are North Melbourne likely to, to get to, to cover this need of theirs? Well, I mean, in terms of what they're sort of looking for, they were hoping to sort of get a bit of an outside run and maybe another tall. And uh, after that early pick, they do have a, a, another couple that are still in quite good position. So you'd imagine that they're looking at maybe a Horn Francis, you'd assume, but Finn Callahan, someone who... Has sort of been talked about as one that might push him all the way, depending on which way they lean. Uh, and then, of course, they could go for um, one of the tours, maybe a Rec Bazo, for example, back there. Leek Lears coming up quite a bit uh, out of Central District. Uh, you've got quite a few out of that WA pool, as we know. You know, you've got um, Jay uh, Miss and uh, Jack Williams, for example, Van Ruyen. Um, you know, it, it comes down to, I guess, what uh, priorities and order they feel they want to go in. But They've also got a fair bit of outside run they could uh, address and, and add some more because we know their inside brigade's brilliant. They've been building that outside run. They've got a bit more of it, which is great. Um, but obviously, I know one of the things that we'll address later is uh, that they're wanting to replace an Aaron Hall type. So um, getting an extra outside runner, and, and there are quite a few of those running around, which would be great. And, and again, that's, that's a Finn Callahan uh, fit, but whether or not, they go that way or whether they pick an outside runner later on it's they've got some options which is key for the kangaroos there yeah that outside runner might maybe be addressed with you know the second round pick or or maybe something in the third i mean you've got a couple of names darcy wilmot um he's a tough sort of classy halfback he moves really well he's got a touch of pace he seems to have really really balance of negating and intercepting off halfback um and he's a really good decision maker so he might be one that they sort of look to um, look to to pick in that sort of second round area, whether he actually makes it through or not, I'm not too sure. The other, Tom Brown, probably has some similar traits to Wilmot as that halfback who's a really good decision maker and user out of defence. He's probably a bit stronger than Wilmot, but maybe not as quick. He's really good in the contest and just a really good all-around footballer. I think there's a touch of Dan Houston in him, and he's another that's really been a really good leader through the junior ranks. So... That might not be as sexy a pick as the Wilmot one, but I think it's a pretty low-risk selection for North, and I think that might sort of help address some of those needs across halfback with that second-round selection. Mm. So we've got a couple of questions from the the board. Uh, Bill Nats wants to know uh, who North goes for in the second round, which you kind of just addressed. Um, And should you go for one of the uh, WA tools considering Combin's injury uh, history? Well, I, we sort of just sort of threw out a few names. Obviously, I did that um, just prior. And, you know, it, they've got quite a few that are floating around. We know we've got some good height there. And it'll be, if the champs do go ahead, it'd be great to see how they 
all perform. But as we said, Amis and uh, Williams, Van Ruin, that there's quite a few out of that WA pool that are that are standing out there. Um, depending on you know what they want to target, because a few of them uh, are versatile. Obviously, you've got uh, Amis, who's the great accurate sort of key forward. You've got um, Williams, you can kind of play that forward ruck role if you want, and, and Van Ruin, who's sort of been tested all over the place, um, you know, and a little bit smaller than the others, a couple of centimetres smaller. So uh, it'll be interesting to see whether they want that genuine key position tall that they replace with the talent, or, or perhaps they go for a slightly smaller one that's a bit more versatile. But um, there's certainly options there, which is the key. Okay, so uh, footy. Focus podcast would like to know who North gets to replace Aaron Hall and Robbie Tarrant. You were alluding to this just before. Yeah, well, I mentioned Wilmot just before I think would be a pretty handy Hall replacement. I also mentioned Tom Brown. He's probably less of a like-for-like, um, but I think he could sort of fill a role at halfback for North. Sam Banks, who I see is sort of a bit bit of value potentially later on in the draft, would be another to consider at halfback. He's a good size in the mid to high 180s. He's got a penetrating kick, which for the most part, he uses to good effect. Probably similarly to Hall in the fact that I'd say he's more offensive-minded than defensive. He's one that I think if he does slide to that third round, I'd, I'd definitely be, be keen to pull the trigger on him. All right, and just before we move on, uh, father-son prospects. Jackson Archer, uh, how do you guys see him going at the moment? Um, he's, he's had some solid performances. He's, he's, you know, that late sort of rookie type. He's uh, a, a bit of a tough tough player like his dad he's certainly shown some signs and uh not too bad i, I don't think he'll cost too much compared to some of the other father sons in this draft uh but yeah like i don't mind him he's got some traits about him he's a good hard worker whether or not um they choose to pick him up it'll it'll be interesting but you know he, he's not going to cost much certainly compared to the others yeah completely agree seems like a really high motor kid good tackler doesn't mind the physical stuff which is probably not surprising uh, but yeah, I tend to agree. Probably that rookie chance if they um, if they do take a look at him in the rookie draft, then um, be be nice to have another archer at North Melbourne. But um, if not, wouldn't wouldn't overly surprise me either. But definitely sort of around the rookie mark, I would have said. Cool. Any other thoughts before we move on? Um, I, I don't think they're that bad for an 18th place side. I think they showed improvement. It was looking pretty bad in the first half of the season, and uh, I think they. You know, played an attractive brand of footy in the second half, and they won a few games that perhaps they weren't expecting to. And uh, yeah, I think that the future's sort of looking bright at North. It may not be immediate, but I think in the you know next few years it'll start growing. And yeah, I think they'll be a pretty exciting team to watch. Alrighty, absolutely. On to my uh, most well, my personal nemesis in the AFL, the Collingwood Magpies finished seventeenth. I, I can't pretend I'm not overjoyed by that. Um, sorry, Pi. It's uh, it is um, just unfortunate that we have this conjoining of uh, discussion this evening. But uh, they finished seventeenth. Levi Greenwood and Chris Maine are retiring. Where yeah. do the where do the pies go from here? Uh, well, they can't go much lower, so that's something. Um, it's it's hard to believe that a couple of years ago they were sort of a kick away from a grand final, but that it is what it is. And uh, obviously, look, the off season last year uh, pretty much derailed everything. They've now lost, lost the coach, president, uh, pretty much anyone uh, who has anything to do with the club. So it's going to be a clear out uh, from here. And all they've got to do is just keep playing the kids. 
in uh, in my opinion. There's some kids on that list that just shouldn't be dropped unless they're obviously uh, really out of form. Uh, McRae showed great signs this year. Uh, you know, we saw Poulter, uh, McCreary came in and really played that role that they were crying out for. Ginevan late, um, or Ginevan, I should say, really late was fantastic. You know, uh, he, he really made it exciting and uh, some of the others sort of just stepped up because there were quite a few injuries, particularly in the back half and um, they weren't too bad defensively in the first half of the season, I felt. Um, but as soon as sort of uh, Jeremy Howe went down, it was danger signs. And then as soon as Darcy Moore went down, it was just like, yeah, pack up your bags, we're done here. So um, that was that was the danger. And they were quite young. Um, they've still got a few players. I think they'll probably move on. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. But they do have some youth. And I feel like it's probably a bit better than last year because uh, they were able to, you know, wield and deal in the uh, in the draft period. But uh, yeah, that they made what they could of what was a, you know, a terrible trade period. Let's be honest. All right. So pies, what do they need? What do you think the pies need to go on? Uh, well, a, a key forward would be nice. Uh, they picked up Liam McMahon last year, so that's sort of a start. Um, can't, many Pies fans can't see Mason Cox being at the club next year. He's probably going to be looking for opportunities elsewhere if he can get it and whether or not they offer him another contract. Um, it'll be fascinating to see what happens there. Um, so definitely a, a key forward, a tool of some sort. Um, but also a priority should be a midfielder that can kick the ball, um, preferably to one of our teammates, um, because that was uh, pretty rare this season, unfortunately. Um, but like the best ball users over time... You know, Scott Pendlebury is still side bottom. They're getting older. They're losing form. Uh, so they definitely need players that can kick. McRae came in and he had, you know, he showed plenty of good signs. So he, you know, he's able to be one of those. But certainly bringing some more players in that can use the ball, use it well, go it forward. Um, yeah, it's probably the key. You, they have a plan. They can move it quickly uh, if the whoever the new coach is adapts that. But it's whether or not they're able to do that. Um, they've got to be able to have the players that uh, can actually kick the ball inside 50 because that let them down quite a lot of the time. So, yeah, just having some players that can kick and then, yeah, I wouldn't mind having another key forward there. Uh, they might even pick up a, a ruck or, or probably a ruck key forward that can roll through there. So um, but they've got to start developing him because obviously Majacek isn't the youngest player and he's not a key forward realistically anyway, but he's had to play that role. So... Uh, yeah, I'd say key forward sort of a, a high priority, but uh, yeah, players that can kick the ball would be good. All right, modern artillery, we know what the needs are. How are they going to get them? Well, they're a little bit hamstrung, so to speak, this year, given that um, they'll be looking to match bids for Dacos and, and Yusuf Dib as well. So that probably makes it a little bit tougher to address those needs through the draft. Maybe there's an opportunity after after the match on Dacus early to trade back in. Um, whether they have the flexibility to do that, I'm not too sure yet. We haven't really seen um, what their final draft hand will look like yet. Um, but maybe there's some opportunities on the trade table to bring in some, some key position help and some, some more midfield depth. Um, and, ma- and maybe we'll see some guys exit as well that will bring in some, some more currency on the trade table. I'm not too sure. But yeah, they're a little bit hamstrung given that they'll be matching bids. Um, but uh, still other opportunities to sort of um, fill those gaps through through other means. 
All right, so we've got some questions from the board for you guys. Harry O wants to know uh, if Collingwood trade into the 15 to 40 range post-matching a Dacos bid, which tools are they likely to prioritise to go with Dacos and Dib? Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. Of course, that's a pretty big range, so it depends uh, where they're going to go. And, and we sort of just alluded to a lot of these that, uh, with the North talk, uh, with all the West Australian ones. Um you know, Jack Williams is one that sort of fits that void that I was saying, that key forward who can sort of slip into the ruck. Um, Van Ruin slid down a bit, uh, depending on where the pick comes in. Alir, I quite like, as I said. Um, but, well, yeah, they've got those. Wrench is one that if they end up with a late later pick, depending on where it is, he might be the, the best available. Um, I like, yeah, I, I prefer the ones that are a bit more athletic. Um, but... Again, a lot of the key forwards in this draft, uh, the, the key forward one particularly, uh, aren't the most athletic. So uh, going by that, it's just one that can mark the ball and, and provide that target inside 50 to uh, release Majacek to play that third role, which he should be. Yeah, I'll throw in a name as well that may be available a bit later in the draft that, that I've sort of been a bit of a fan of this year, and that's Toby Murray as sort of that developing key forward ruck. Um, he's reasonably good athleticism will fly for his marks and compete well in the air he's he's pretty good on the lead and, he, and he's good below his knees for his size so i'm a pretty big fan of him but with Liam mcmahon on the list from last year's draft i'm not sure if they want to go for another real project key forward um but he's one that i, I suspect will probably be available in that sort of late draft late draft rookie range no no, no chance for bigfooty's own neil erasmus at collingwood i wouldn't have thought so no what? No, not not unless they're somehow pulling another pick out somewhere. Um, yeah, well, don't know how they're going to swing that one. So, oh, yeah. yeah no. So, Nick Nick Dacos, the obvious father-son choice here. Um, just what kind of player is he? How's he shaping up? What's it going to... How are they actually going to get him? Like, get enough points to to uh, get over everyone else that's going to want him? Uh, I sort of did the math before coming in, and they do still need another pick to match. Um, which is the equivalent of pick 29. They're going to need to be able to just match the bid. Um, now, they've got a few players, as we're sort of alluding to, that might be on the way out. I don't think they're going to get pick 29. I mean, the ones that names may be real off, you know, Cox, uh, Braden Sire, Josh Thomas, they're not going to get your, your pick 29s, we'll be honest. Um, but they might be able to get um, a, a later pick that still has some points, whether it's a 40s, 50s, something like that, and maybe getting a couple or, or you know, depending on how they're able to upgrade get a few more picks I, I think we might end up trading down one of the picks to get more points but perhaps a team that doesn't need as many selections will get it up because they do need to still get those points uh to match um but in terms of the player obviously day cost you know ball winning midfielder can play forward uh hits the scoreboard regularly uh in terms of his sort of vitals he's sort of that 183 77 average of 35.8 disposals uh in the nab league 5.8 marks 5.4 inside 50s, couple of goals. He's the name that everyone sort of recognises. He does it um, time and time again. He just finds the ball. He gets to the right spots. Uh, at times, he uh, accumulates without having a, a high impact all the time. He certainly does fall to centre when he can hit the scoreboard or things like that, but certainly he racks it up. So that's going to be uh, something that's that's really, really exciting there. And um, So I think that that's definitely a, a way that they sort of have to go about trying to match that bid uh bringing another pick and as i said about equivalent of pick 29 would equal it but obviously they still got to have some other pick somewhere so it'll be interesting to see what happens 
All right, we've we've mentioned Yusuf Dib a couple of times in this particular segment. What kind of player is he, and where do you see him coming? Yeah, so Dib I sort of saw as recently as the last time they sort of ran out uh, against Gippsland. Uh, he had a really, really good uh, first half, uh, found plenty of the ball, and he does that. He doesn't mind when he can step up in the midfield, he can win the ball, um, but he's sort of just got to get that consistency into his game. He's not as big of a ball winner as Dacos regularly, uh, mainly because he sort of does play outside that consistent midfield like Dacos does. Um, he's got good, clean hands. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do too badly with that sort of inside. He's tough as anything. I think what was average is five tackles a game. Look, he's someone who will just attack the ball. Very good at drawing free kicks. He's only a small guy at 174.76, so very good at drawing free kicks. He can he can do some damage inside 50. I think he'll probably be a small forward to start at, at the next level just because of his size. He's, he's a pressure player. Um, yeah, he's, he's going to be a late selection, you'd imagine. Um, but I don't think, again, like we were saying with Archer, it won't cost them too much. Dib will have a bit more interest. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think he'll be one that they can just uh, match at the towards the end, at least the second half of the draft as a minimum. Uh, it won't be like a Mac Andrews scenario, for example, where they won't be able to match him. So, um, But, yeah, from what I've seen of him, I, I quite like him. Got some good traits, not quite as obviously developed as... Acos, um, but yeah, he'll be a good selection providing they go with him at the end, I think. Um, what do you think, Modern Artillery? Yeah, completely agree. And uh, I love how you hit the nail on the head with, with his just for his ferocity at attacking the footy. Like, it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. I really think that that sort of effort and intensity around, around the footy and his ability to make tackles despite being a little bit smaller and that'll just allow him to carve out a role at AFL level. Um, and so I think it's definitely you know, worth matching the bid, especially if it does come kind of in the second half of the draft. I think he can be a real asset as that sort of small forward type that maybe long-term does get to pinch hit here and there um, through the midfield. Uh, just before we move on to uh, the next team, now Yusuf Dibbs coming through the Next Generation Academies, I believe. What's the, uh, what's the deal in terms of points and things like that that uh, you need for a Next Generation pick for people that don't know? Uh, it depends, obviously, where they uh, where they fall uh, in terms of the bidding. It's the same kind of thing. They have changed it now. So uh, Jamari Ugelhagen, perfect example, came through, uh, you know, in the NGA for the Dogs, and you know there was enough uh, sort of smoke kicked up about potentially getting someone through that uh, was that high end that anyone within the uh, top 20 now, uh, you can't match their bid. Anyone outside the top 20, it's still doing the old, uh, the way that it was uh, in terms of the points and, and being able to match and, you know, the, the discount the uh, discount that you get. Um, and that way you don't have to have the exact pick that comes after it. But depending on where it is, uh, it's usually, uh, off the top of my head, 190 points, I think. Um, Modern Artillery, do you have the exact number? But I think it's something like that. Don't have it in front of me. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it was. Trying to bail you out there, but. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 I just I, I realized as I was going through, I was like, hang on a minute. No. But I'm pretty sure off the top, made 190 points. Um. But it's something like that where it's a lower um discount because it is obviously lower, and if you're in the top 20, uh, it won't be in Dib's case. Uh. So yeah, you won't have to do the, um, you'll be able to match it basically. Where father son still goes by the. Uh, if you're in the top 20, you can match it, but it's uh, that 20% discount. So, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things that 
uh, it it's, depends where they get uh, bid on. And if they don't, they can take them for free at the end or potentially uh, at the end of the draft completely so they can just add them uh, as that Cat B rookie. Excellent. All right, let's move on to the next team. Time gets away from us here. Uh, Adelaide finished 15th. Uh, Tom Lynch, Daniel Talia have been delisted, and David Mackay is retiring. Um, Modern Artillery, what do they need to replace these guys? Yeah, well, I'll be honest. The, the Crows are far more competitive than I thought they were going to be this year. Um, Harry Schoenberg took a big step forward this year. He looks to be a real solid long-term piece. Jordan Butts has full-back spot his own, and probably was a contributor to moving Daniel Talia on. I think Riley Philthorpe has justified that number two selection so far and, and gave the fans some exciting moments this year. He's probably the one on the Crows list that gen, has genuine star power. So assuming no trade comes out, the Crows will miss out on Horn Francis, which, which is pretty unfortunate. But they're still well positioned to load up on talent to replace some of those guys exiting. Um, as far as needs go, I think the Crows have just got to keep adding to their midfield group and spe- specifically adding some class through there should be a priority. It's a touch one pace in midfield and a bit predictable at times. So adding some flair through there to change up the dynamic, I think, would be beneficial. Then adding some class and X factor at both ends should be a priority as well. The, the reality is outside of a Ruckman and, and maybe a key position forward, pretty much every position is in need right now. But I think these are sort of the more pressing ones. And I do feel that this draft has enough in those areas for the Crows to really improve those positions. All right. So you've heard what they need. Now, Pies, how are they going to get them? Who are they going to get? Yeah, well, obviously having that early selection is going to uh, help for them um, because they're able to see who falls out, as, as sort of suggested there, that Horn Francis probably won't be on the board barring a, a whole heap of luck. You know, Callahan's there. Um, obviously, Gibkus uh, is floating around in that region. Um, whether they go local, which I know is a big question, but whether they reach that little bit for that, Arlo Draper, Matty Roberts, like there's, there's so many options there. Uh, and I know Modern Artillery probably has the ones that he's favoured or preferred to get. Um, but I, I still think it's in a pretty good position because for me, I, I think after that whole group, um, there is quite a bit of um, evenness about it. And Josh Rochelle is another one who's probably maybe a bit high at that region, but he's certainly got the talent. And I know, I know one that uh, our good friend PM Bangers uh, enjoyed sort of talking up today and whatnot so i mean it really comes down to what they might prefer and they certainly have that draft hand they're able to deal with so um but i I quite like where they're sitting and and it really depends on which direction they want to go there's a lot of good midfielders a lot of good class there so um quite exciting times i think it's time i think it's time we talk about neil erasmus we haven't mentioned him much in this podcast yet so i think bigfoot's uh, own neil erasmus that's right. Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus. Um, we've done a ton on him. Um, he's a podcast favourite, but it, I think he'd be perfect for us at, at pick four. Um, he'd give the Crows a genuine mid-forward type, plenty of X-factor, really good aerially. He's a ball winner. He has that touch of class too. So I'd love him at that pick four selection. I think he'd be a really fit in Adelaide. You think he'll be there at pick four? I think so. I think so. I hope so. We all hope so for Neil Erasmus's sake. Um, so we've got some questions from the board. Uh, Mutineer wants to tell us... Well, Mutineer would like us to know uh, a, a little bit about Kay Lohman. Uh, or Kai Lohman. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kai Lohman. I've seen a bit of him through the GWV uh, 
time. He's an uh, athletic, exciting forward, uh, pretty good in the air, pretty good at ground level. He's one that uh, probably flew under the radar, and probably everyone did really uh, without a 2020 season, but he's someone who um, has a lot of upside. I feel like he's someone who um, you don't, may not realise at first, and then you sort of see him play, and you start to take some notes going, gee, that kid's all right. Um, he, he's got that sort of bit of X factor about him. Um, you know, he's really come in this year uh, as that sort of, uh, well, they're not top ages anymore, but draft eligible, that sort of 18-year-old. Um, coming in, he's averaged the sort of 14.5 disposals, five marks, kicked a few goals, but he, he mostly likes to set it up, um, getting inside 50. He's good in the air, um, clever at ground level. Earned a draft combine invite, so it, it shows how much he's sort of stepped up. And the Rebels just have so much ability in there that he, he can afford to sort of be a bit on that outside and, and be that player going forward. So, um, yeah, for, for a player of his size, 185, he's good above his head. Um, yeah, athletic, good ground level. I, I think he's got quite a bit about him. Um, so, for me, I think that he's quite an exciting player and one to watch. Um, what, given that it's your club, what do you think, Modern Artillery? Yeah, Pretty much similar. Just a quick shout-out to Mutineer. He does some really good work on the Crows board, and I think Loman is definitely one of his favourites. Uh, but I'm a fan as well. Um, you've, you've hit on all the attributes. Would he fit Adelaide? From a, from a list need, absolutely. I think the question mark for me is whether he sort of fits in the range of some of the selections we have, and I know that they can kind of move around a bit on draft night with live trading now. But, we, you know, I think we got looking at pick 23, There'd probably be others that might still be there that I might prefer a little bit more, but I don't think that's necessarily too early uh, for him. Probably not the consensus. 20, I think most probably view him a little bit later in the draft, but I don't really see him being available at 37 necessarily. So if Adelaide do want him, they might have to move up after they use pick 23 if they don't use that one to get him. But as terms in terms of fit for the Crows, I definitely like it. I think his attributes will definitely fit in um, with the list needs for sure. All right, so uh, the question's also asked here, uh, should Adelaide disregard best available and go local? I've kind of got a bit of a strong opinion on this one. I think if the decision is between sort of a 1A and 1B type, then then I definitely think you'd go with the local talent. But I think with early selections, you've just got to stick to your draft board and go with best available. As far as sort of some of the early selections, uh, sorry, some of the early... um, likely picks coming out of South Australia. We're looking at sort of Arlo Draper and Matthew Roberts. Um, I, I think as, as great a prospect as they are, if they're not number one on your draft board um, with, with pick four or whatever it is that we have, then then I'd, I'd just be going straight to the top of the draft board and selecting that player, I think. Well, and how much is a, a lack of national championship games going to play into this? Are they going to be badly affected? To be honest, I, I don't think South Australian the South Australian prospects are going to be too badly affected by the lack of championships, given that South Australian talent has probably had the most exposure over any state from the last two years, given, you know, the border flexibility that we've had. And then the the sample digital pass, which has been such a great tool. I think South Australian talent is probably some of the more known commodities um, in terms of this year's pool. So I don't think we'll necessarily see um, some of the South Australian talent impacted by, um, by the lack of national championships. Is is there a, just, I know this isn't in our script or anything, but is there a, a chance that the WA and SA guys benefited more in this COVID environment uh, because they play through the Samphill and Waffle under-17s comps and they have to be drafted from those comps? 
as opposed to the Victorian under, uh, under-18s and under-19s that come through the separate uh, NAB League. Do they benefit because of that? I think you're always benefiting if you're able to get out in the park and perform. Uh, I think that it sort of gives a bit more certainty to the clubs. It, it doesn't rule out those in the NAB League, and we could well see a number of maybe 19-year-old type talents taken out of the NAB League that didn't get a chance last year. Um, or, of course, with the mid-season draft, we saw that in, in a few scenarios, particularly in terms of rucks, who perhaps would have had really great seasons last year and then obviously couldn't get out there. Um, Sample, it rolls on too because obviously these 18-year-olds didn't have a game or didn't have a season last year where for uh, South Australian WA, they were able to get through those seasons. So they've had that experience under the belt and they're able to come out. And it's why we're seeing a lot of them stand out. We've seen how many combine invites have come out for the WA boys. Um, And SA, we always knew they had talent there. At the 16s Carnival, I I was there a few years ago and it was such an even crop. Like Vic Metro won the, the Carnival undefeated, but the other... Three sides, country, WA and SA, all had a win each. So it was very, very even as a whole, this crop. So, um, But it shows that the interstate have uh, sort of really come up and, and held their own. Like, for, obviously, it's all a point when you're SA. But, um, yeah, from a, a, a non-Victorian point, the other states have certainly come up and it, it's been a benefit. And from a Victorian point of view, it's um, they, they've sort of been able to show some signs, but it's been very, very tough for them. So... Uh, I think it'll come down to, you know, the draft and, and we'll, we'll be able to sort of answer that at the end perhaps. But um, it doesn't, certainly never gives you any harm to be able to get out and strut your stuff because if you're a developing player, um, the more game time, the better. All right. And Mon Nacelli, last one for you. Uh, Next Generation Academy prospects, uh, Blaine O'Loughlin and Isaiah Dudley. Where are, where are they at? What sort of players are they? Yeah, so O'Loughlin is a really small sort of attacking defender. He's a really classy years by foot. He does a really good job of distributing out of defence for North Adelaide. He takes all the kickouts, which tends to inflate his numbers a little bit, but he's a really quality operator and rarely makes a mistake coming out of the back half. He is small, though, probably around that 171 mark, 171 centimetre mark. So the defensive side of his game is a bit of a challenge for him at times. Um, and ultimately, I think that probably limits his draft ceiling a touch. Uh, Isaiah Dudley's the other... Um, he's even smaller, uh, sort of the mid-160s. He's played primarily as a forward with the occasional pinch hit in the midfield. He's super skilled, though. He's really good footballer. He finds space inside forward 50. He hits the scoreboard. He has a few tricks inside forward 50, which are pretty impressive, and, and he does chase and tackle. But again, the physical limitations really impacts, I think, his ceiling in this draft. I think they're both rookie selections, personally. I know there are some that sort of see them fitting into the back half of the draft, but personally, I, I probably wouldn't be matching a bit inside the national draft, and I'd even consider others maybe through the rookie draft. Um, maybe, they're, maybe they do, um, the Crows do sort of fill them as those Category B rookies, I'm not too sure. I wouldn't be overly surprised if they do end up in Crows colours, though. I'm sure the Crows will find a way to sort of add them to their list. All right, well... Do you have any final thoughts, guys, on any of the stuff we've talked about tonight before we wrap it up? Uh, I mean, I think all these three teams have some good youth they're building uh, and, you know, they'll be able to do it again through the draft, both Adelaide and and North with their selections and Collingwood being able to pick up Dacos. So, uh, I mean, they're going to have some great uh, elite talents coming through. You know, they're not necessarily premiership contenders next year, but they should be building and, you know, over the next few years we'll, we'll see them improving and hopefully... They won't be on one of these earlier podcasts sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, it's always exciting for um, clubs to get into the new town, especially at the top of the draft board. And these three teams are going to get to do that. So, you know, th this is the time where we all sort of start to um, get excited about some of that young talent coming through. And these clubs will sort of hopefully have some of these guys make an impact pretty early next season. All right, well, that about wraps it up, I think, guys. Big shout-out to PM Bangers, who was supposed to be with us tonight but didn't show. Uh, hopefully we'll see him next time. <laughs> and a big shout-out to Bigfooty's own Neil Erasmus. I, I hope we're not torturing you too much, mate. Um, but uh, otherwise, we'll see you all next time.